0: Hey everybody, this is Mrs. Navidad. I hope that you're doing well. I know that you guys are going to miss me so much today, so I thought that I would record this so that you can still hear my beautiful voice. Anyway, I was totally joking if you couldn't catch that. Um, But I do want to go over our Unit 3 Day 4 Notes in Schoology, you are going to find a link to a Nearpod. I'll put the regular slide deck up later on, but I do want you all to go through that Nearpod so you can answer some questions. I'm going to make sure you watch all the videos, and this way I'll be able to see who actually viewed it. So if you notice somebody not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you can kind of Tell them that, hey, Mrs. Navidad is watching you, so you better watch out. Anyway, everything that you need will be in Schoology and in the live syllabus, like always. Um, But if you do want a paper copy of the guided notes, they will be sitting on my desk. You can ask the sub, whoever's in there, uh, for the Unit 3, Day 4 Guided Notes Um, And there will be a stack of copies of them if you would like that. So go ahead, take that time, go and get them. Um, And then when you're ready, open up the Nearpod and you can start in the first few slides with me. So I'm going to skip over the first three slides. And the first slide here, or I'm sorry, the fourth slide here is going to be a video and it's going to be all about why we see illusions. So this is a really cool TED Talk. It's only about seven minutes. Um, and it will kind of go through why our brains see and perceive illusions. So it's a really great kind of warm-up into kind of converge what we have been talking about and what we're going to be talking about again today. After you're done with that video, you can scroll on down or uh, keep going into the eighth slide, I believe. Um, And this eighth slide will be a web content and it will lead you right to Quizlet. Now, this Quizlet is linked in our additional resources folder in unit three. Um, And this is an additional Quizlet set that I've created for you and it's all about parts of the eye and I'm just going to take a moment right here to say if you have not watched the parts of the eye crash course video from last class stop this recording and go do that right now it's only eight minutes it's a really great resource it will summarize what we're going to be talking about today and these terms in this quizlet will make so much more sense. If you've already watched it, congratulations. Don't feel or feel don't feel like you can't watch it again. Please feel free to watch it again um, because it's a really great summary again of what we're going to be talking about today. And so uh, is this Quizlet set. So please make sure you take some time to do both of those things right now. When you're ready on slide nine you're going to see this sensation and perception slide we've seen this for the past few classes now this is a really important slide to continue to remember because sensation and perception are two things that students often get confused on sensation is that biological mechanical process And it's how we take in uh, stimulus, right? So seeing, touching, hearing even, um, that's all a biological sensation. Whereas perception is all cognitive. It's in our mind. It's how we process that sensation. And it gives meaning to that sensation. So it's how we perceive it. So it's just really important to keep that in mind, even as we go through our slides today and then next, the three steps that occur to all sensory systems, we've seen this before as well. Sensory receptors receive sensory information or stimulation, transduction transforms stimulation into a neural impulse, and then afferent neurons deliver neural impulse to the brain. So we're gonna be able to see how these things work through vision. Um, And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. So if you head on over to slide number 12, you're going to see this image of an eyeball, basically. It has all the parts of the eye. kind of gives you a profile view of what an eye looks like. And I'm just here to tell you that you do not need to know each and every part of the eye. So take a breath. I'll tell you all of the important things that you do need to know and what they do and how they can affect our vision and what we see. But we are really just going to be focusing on the iris, the pupil, the cornea, the lens, um, and the optic nerve, and the retina, and some other things too. But those are like the main things that we're going to be focusing on today. And in order to for us to understand vision and how to see, it's really important that we understand parallel processing virtu- versus feature detectors. This is where our guided notes start. So if you are taking guided notes, this is where you're gonna see is at the top of our page. If you're not taking guided notes, then um, this is really where you're gonna wanna start. Parallel processing is when we process many aspects simultaneously or all at once. And this happens with vision. An example of parallel processing is when your brain tries to process and recognize faces. When your brain's working on recognizing faces and a lot of faces at once, the cortex in our brain that does this, that part of the brain that does this, It ends up taking about 30% of our brain's cortex to process that action, recognizing faces. That's a lot of work. So if you've ever been in a situation where you're looking at a lot of people and you're trying to think like, oh, I think I, I know these people, who are these people, what are their names? Your brain is working on overtime, which is why a lot of people say, I'm not so good at remembering people's names people's faces um, because it's a lot of work for our brain. Feature detectors, on the other hand, are different areas of the brain that detect different things. We saw this briefly during the parts of the brain um, segment in unit two. Feature detectors Are like it says here, the different areas of the brain that detect different things. And basically, these parts of the brain are looking at these different features and using context clues to help us know, like, okay, this is what this is. For example, there are different features that make up a house than there are features that make up a human being. We can look at a building and say, this looks like a house. It has a roof, has walls, windows, doors, shutters maybe. Maybe it's brick on the outside. Maybe it's siding, whatever it is. But these are all different things that, different features that make up a house. Whereas we know that those things put together don't equal a person. Humans have heads, shoulders, limbs, eyes, things like that. So those are different features that different parts of our brain are detecting um, and detecting these different things. Now, on the next slide, you have another image of the eye and the different parts of the eye. Again, you're not going to need to know all of that. But if you head on down to slide 15, you are going to see an image of the optic nerve. Now this image is actually an image of like basically the back of an eyeball. If you've ever been to the eye doctor and have gotten a glaucoma screening, you've gotten this picture taken before. You have to stare at a dot in the middle of the screen. They take the brightest light ever and take a picture of your eye and this is what the image comes out to be. You have your optic nerve as that white circle, that light circle in, uh, towards the, in this image towards the left-hand side. And then that darker image on the right-hand side is a fovea. I'm not really going to spend a lot of time talking about the fovea. I'll mention it once more later on. But the optic nerve is so important in our visual visual sensation. And that's because it's basically, and if you go back to slide 14, you'll see that the optic disc and that optic nerve right there, it's basically a cable between your eye and your brain. And it's giving that information that your eye is detecting and sending it to the the part of the brain, the back of the brain, the occipital lobe, where your brain will process that information. So it's kind of like that direct line from your eye to your brain. Um, So, I'm not going to say or ask you on the test if this is the most important part of the eye. It's really just my personal opinion, but just remember that the optic nerve is that cable between your eye and the occipital lobe in in the back of your brain. So, How does an eye see things, and how does our brain perceive it? Um, Well, first things first, and this is slide 16 now that we're on. We're going to go through slide 16 through 23 to go through this chart, but when we see an image, what's really happening is that this image produces light waves, and these light waves Reflect off of an object, and that's what our eyes are seeing. Okay, so these light waves are being reflected off of an object, and that's how we're able to see. The cornea, which is that it's kind of like that first layer on the eye, is a transparent layer and it's convex, meaning that it's kind of curved and it covers the front of the eye. And this shape of the cornea bends light towards the center of the eyeball. So kind of think about it as if it's like a a funnel almost. So your, your eye is taking in all of this light and then it goes through the cornea and then it's reflecting back out or bending back towards the center of your eyeball. The iris is that colored part of your eye. And the iris is a muscle. And what it does is it adjusts itself by dilating or moving. So like contracting and expanding and constricting due to brightness of light. So for example, if you were to turn to your shoulder partner, which you can do this just tell them what you're doing and ask for permission. Don't scare them. Um, but turn to your shoulder partner or somebody around you and look into their eyes. See where their iris is. See where the pupil is, that black part in the center of the iris. And ask them to close their eyes and then open it again. And when they open their eyes again, take a look at how they're Pupil, that black part seems to get go from small to big. The pupil itself, and I'm going to move on to the next slide. That black part at the center of the eye, it's basically a hole. The pupil itself isn't moving. It looks like it's getting bigger or smaller depending on what's happening, but it's not moving. It's the iris that's moving and contracting or expanding because it's that muscle. Now, the pupil is a hole. If you've ever seen a real um, film camera, um, then you probably know that little pinhole in the center, that's what's capturing an image. The iris is kind of like um, a focusing mechanism or a shutter speed even on the camera. And then the pupil is what's actually gathering the, the visual itself. The lens on the other hand on your eyeball is a transparent structure structure behind the pupil and it's curved and flexible and it changes curvature to focus on images now again just like a camera the lens flips an image and what happens with the lens in our eye is that after the information gets processed through the optic nerve, when it gets to the occipital lobe, it flips back to right side up, which is why we can perceive things right side up instead of upside down. There are certain cases where some people, and this is very rare, um, where some people do see upside down, um, but that's a whole different thing. We do not need to know about it if you want to fall down a rabbit hole Be My Guest, but maybe you should wait until after the the test because that's just next week. So let's focus on what we need to know. Another thing that we need to know is something called the aqueous humor. This is just watery fluid behind the pupil and iris in your eye. And the vitreous humor, which is a jelly-like fluid, and it gives the eye its shape. And last but not least on this chart is the retina. Now I said, my personal opinion, the optic nerve is the most important part of the eye. The retina is a pretty close second, um, or maybe even tied, because the retina is the very back of the eye, and this is where rods and cones are located. So this is what gives us color and uh, different shades of black and white. Rods and cones. So we'll talk about them more in a moment. Um, But the bipolar and ganglion cells are also located in the retina and they are associated with signaling neurons to give our brain, like, okay, this sensation is happening. We are seeing something um, and neurons need to fire. And if you remember from Unit 2, when neurons fire, Um, It goes into action potential, goes from resting potential to action potential, um, and that's what the bipolar and ganglion cells are doing. On the next slide in the near pod, you will have a little matching game, so pause this, take time to do that. It's really just a, a quick recall of what you just learned in that chart. And when you're ready to move on, go to slide number 25. And in slide number 25, um, it's just going through that process, a three-step process of what's happening when we intake a visual. So we receive, the first thing we do is we receive a visual stimulus in the back of our eye in the retina, okay? Photoreceptors like rods and cones then transduct the stimulus to a neural impulse, now remember, transduction is a transform stimulation into the neural impulse. So keep that in mind when I say this again. The photoreceptors, re- the rods and cones, transduct the stimulus to a neural impulse. And the neural impulse from the bipolar and ganglion cells travels along the optic nerve so that connection between the eye and the brain travels along the optic nerve to the thalamus, which is that switchboard in the brain. And then it goes to the visual cortex of the occipital lobe in the back of your brain. And if you're thinking, how in the world does this happen? It's just science, man. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, but just know this step-by-step process. Um, and, It sounds like really crazy. Our bodies are strange. Our eyes are strange. The fact that we can even do this honestly blows my mind. Maybe it blows her too. I don't know. Um, But this is how we are able to receive a vision stimulus, which is pretty cool. Now, these sensory receptors for vision, the cones and rods, they are crucial in order for us to see. So cones detect fine detail and color. Cones do get tired, right? So if we stare at a bright image for a long period of time, that particular cone, color cone, will stop firing. um, And then you'll be able to see an after image once you turn away. I'll give you some examples of this in a few slides from now um, and even in a video in a few minutes as well. And why this happens. Um, but basically, the cones, the color detectors can get tired. Um, and you're, you'll be able to see some pretty cool things here in a moment. So we'll explain. put a pin in that. We'll see that in a moment. Rods, on the other hand, are grayscale. Um, so we really, with rods, we just see black and white. Um, and rods also deal with our peripheral vision. So that vision on the side. Okay. Now, if you go to the next slide, you're going to see this really crazy kind of diagram. There's a lot going on here. Basically, this is explaining everything that I just told you. In the back of the eye, you have the retina, and you also have the optic disc and the optic nerve. The optic nerve is that blue kind of tree looking thing um, going through to the, like, through all this other. Crazy stuff. So I'll explain the crazy stuff really fast. Um, Basically, these are the different receptor cells, the rods and cones. And the rods and cones are connected, as you can see, to the bipolar cell and ganglion cells. Okay. Um, So they're connected to these cells, and the cones connect to, they have one cell. That they connect to okay whereas the rods they can connect multiple rods can connect to one cell so if you go to the next slide on slide number 28 you're gonna see a chart and you're gonna see in this chart that rods have a low level of detail which is why multiple rods can connect to one bipolar or ganglion cell they don't need a lot of detail. Cones, on the other hand, it's like HD or 4K or 8K or whatever K we're on, I don't care. Um, but it's like super fine detail and one cone needs to be connected to one bipolar or ganglion cell. And because of this, we have uh, a lot more rods than we do cones. We have about 100 to 120 million cones in the back of our eye. That's wild. Whereas we have about 6 million cones in the back of our eyes. And the rods are located mostly in the periphery periphery of the retina. So like the sides of the retina. Because remember they deal with peripheral vision. And cones are clustered around the fovea or the center of our eye. Rods, like I said before, deal with black and white, whereas cones deal with color. Rods require little light to work well, and they're unable to function in a lot of light or too much light, whereas cones need light in order to be able to function. And then rods are really useful for night vision or seeing in the dark, whereas cones require daytime vision. Next we have a video that talks about blind spots and how rods kind of work with blind spots. Um, And then in the slide after that you're going to see a picture of Miss Trent. Miss Trent used to work at Stonebridge. She used to teach AP Psych um, and it's a terrifying picture because she looks like she's possessed by something um, because her eyes are bright red so if you've ever taken a picture and you have red eye in the picture, that's just your retina. Do you need to know that? Nah, it's a fun fact um, and a pretty creepy photo. so there you go. Up next in slide number thirty two, you'll see a little tomato or tomato. And you'll see that color, is really just reflected light waves. So I said that when we see things, we're really just seeing light being reflected. Same thing with color. Color is just reflected light waves. And these light waves have no color. And color is really just a mental construction. So try and wrap your head around that. Color is all about light. And when you mix light or different wavelengths, it adds reflected wavelengths. And the more light you mix in, the more wavelengths get reflected. And if you take all colors combined, you get white, which is kind of crazy. And if you try that in art class, that's not going to work. But in a visual sense, white is just all colors combined. Now I'm gonna take a pause here in this recording. I suggest you take a pause as well because we've just gone through a lot of notes. We have a little bit more to do. Um, So take a little break, take a little stretch, stand up if you need to, walk around the room, use the bathroom if need be, or get water, whatever. I don't know what you need. Um, And then I'll see you in a few seconds. Okay, so now that we've talked about additive color, let's move on to color theory. Young Helmholtz is uh, created one color theory where he said that you will combine or that our, our visual cortex, our eyes, combine light waves. And we do this through three primary colors, red, green, and blue. Yellow is not included here. This is called trichromatic vision, okay. Now, all colors, he says that all colors are created from these primary colors, and each eye must have three types of receptors, one for each color. Now, of course, when we have one theory, we have to have another, So another theory is opponent processing. Opponent processing is an additional theory. It's not necessarily an alternative, but it does find fault with Young's Young Helmholtz's. Okay, that was hard. It finds fault with this other theory. And it says if you mix red and green light, you get yellow. So how can red and green colorblind people see yellow? Um, And with that question poses a need for a new theory. So here's the gist. Some color combos we never see, like reddish green or yellowish blue. So this suggests that color experience is controlled by activity of three opponent systems. And these systems are blue-yellow red, green, and black and white. So it's basically suggesting that these colors are opposite of one another, white being opposite of black, green being opposite of red, and yellow being opposite of blue. And what happens is that neurons in the retina are turned on by red and off by green, for example. Another example would be neurons in the retina are turned on by black and off by white or turned on by blue and off by yellow, so on and so forth. So how did we figure this out? We figured this out through after image effects. Now, I've mentioned that before when we first started talking about cones. So you're going to see what an after image effect is in two slides from now. Um, but how does after image work? So let's say that you stare at green for a really long time. Green is a part of the red green ganglion, um, or they like work, to, or they're uh, paired together in this theory. And the green part of the red green ganglion gets tired. So when you look at white, which is all colors, we see red because only red of red-green ganglion is fired. And if you're thinking, Mrs. Navidad, what the heck did you just say to me? Go to the next slide and you'll see what I'm talking about. On slide number 40, you have the Union Jack, which is England's flag. Um, But the colors are all sorts of wrong, right? So I want you to stare at this image. Make sure that's really big on your screen too. As big as you can get it. So that you're seeing the whole entire image. I want you to stare at it for 30 seconds. Don't move your eyes. Don't try not to blink. And after 30 seconds. I want you to shift your focus to the right. At that small dot. You might have to blink a few times. But you should see the actual English flag in front of you in that white space. So what's happening is just like that theory suggests, the opposite of green is red, the opposite of black is white, and the opposite of yellow is blue. So if you stare at those colors for 30 seconds, at least it could be longer, and then you look at a white image which has all of the colors, your yellow, green, and black receptors or neurons are going, or uh, cones rather, are going to be tired. So when you look at a blank white image with all of the colors combined, the opposite of those colors are going, that, those neurons are going to then fire you still having a hard time with this or you want another example, go to slide 41 where you see a light bulb. This is just black and white. So again, same thing. Stare at this for about 30 seconds. And then when you're ready, switch your gaze to the right side of the screen. And you're going to see basically the opposite of what you saw before. Another example would be what I sent out to you last week with the skull. I sent it out in an email. It's in Schoology. You can take a look at that. There's tons of examples, um, but these are just a few. Moving on to slide number 42, visual impairments. There are a few different types of visual impairments, um, including acuity, which is all about the sharpness of vision and it's affected by the shape of an eyeball. So myopia, which is nearsightedness, means that the eyeball is too long. And then hyperopia, hyperopia, there we go, which is farsightedness, means that the eyeball is too short. And you can see those two examples through images on the side of this slide. Color blindness, on the other hand, um, is basically when there's an absence of colors. And there's a few different types of color blindness, but dichromatic is where you see two colors and that's probably the most well-known type of color blindness. So if you go onto the next slide, Nearpod will send you to a website that will show you the different kinds of colorblindness, and it will show you what a person with dichromatic uh, sees, um, what colors they don't see and what it actually looks like. So that's a really cool thing just to kind of check out. If you are colorblind or you know somebody who's colorblind, um, Well, if you are colorblind, then I'm sorry, you're not going to really be able to have a full effect um, from the website. Um, But if you know somebody who's colorblind, um, then this is what they see, um, which is kind of crazy. My uncle, well, one of my uncles, actually, I guess a few of my uncles are colorblind, but my one uncle is like really colorblind. Um, And he wears the craziest colors combination sometimes because he doesn't know he can't can't see those colors. Um, But if you go to slide number 44, you can watch a video of how in the past few years, scientists and eye doctors have created special eyeglasses so that colorblind people can potentially see color. It's not always guaranteed to work, but uh, when they do work, reactions are amazing. Um, and you could totally fall down a rabbit hole if you wanted to, to watch people see color for the first time. Some people cry. My uncle, for example, um, his family got together to get him these glasses, um, for a gift once. And I just remember he was, he was like 60 years old. Could you imagine being 60 years old and seeing color for the first time in your life? And, I just remember him crying and then he looked down at his outfit, whatever he was wearing. He was like, Who let me wear this? Because I look ridiculous. Um, but it's always really fun to see the reaction. So if you want to check out this video, you can. Um, it just kind of it's nice to kind of see. I mean, we if you can see color, you kind of take it for granted. So um, just something to kind of keep an eye out for, but anyway. You are ready to move on to slide number forty-five. Other visual impairments include astigmatism, which is irregularly, or which is an irregularly shaped cornea, um, and it creates blurriness at a distance. And if you are like me and you have astigmatism, then it kind of affects the way that you see things in the dark, like light in the dark, and it kind of makes it even more blurry. Um, I know for me, for example, I hate driving at night because of it, um, but I digress. Anyway, cataracts are where some proteins in the lens break down and create cloudiness in the eye. Um, so surgery can help replace the lens and restore vision. But if you've ever seen, um, we usually, because we can get the surgery performed, um, we don't see it all the time in humans Um, I mean, you can, of course, but um, you see it a lot in like older animals like dogs and cats who don't always get the surgery. Um, and so it's kind of like that cloudiness. It kind of looks like there's a mist over their eyes. Conjunctivitis is basically pink eye. It's an inflammation of the conjunctiva or the transparent layer that lines the inside of the eyelid and covers the seclera, um, which is the white part of the eye. And then glaucoma um, is where there's a damage to the optic nerve, that really important part of your eye. And um, a hardening of the aqueous humor of the eye also takes place with glaucoma. Um, and if it's not treated, it can destroy your vision. So if you are getting uh, that, those pictures taken of your eye, that means that your eye doctor is watching out for glaucoma, which is good. I know I have to get those pictures every year because I have a family history of glaucoma. Um, And so if if that's something that you do, it's because of, it's for that reason. So next, you do have another video if you want to watch it. Uh, It's pretty, pretty interesting. Talks about color and how people may perceive colors differently than others. Um, But other than that, You are done with notes. Congratulations. Just a reminder, your unit three test is next week. If you go to slide 49, you will see um, or you will be sent to a Google form um, through a Nearpod. And it's basically going to ask you if you have any questions, specific questions about unit three. You can ask those there and I will Uh, create a little review recording so that I can answer any of those questions or at least the most commonly asked questions. Um, And this is for a review for our unit test. Um, We will also, Ms. Snyder and I will be holding review days. Um, So Monday morning and afternoon and then Tuesday morning as well. And you can see this, uh, the times there on slide 50. Um, we will be hosting these review days to help you prepare for the test. But if you're not able to make it, we will have a recording of the most common questions. Um, and that will be up hopefully by Friday, definitely by Monday. Um, and that's why it's important to fill out that Google form if you do have any questions. Um, but other than that, I hope that you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Have a wonderful weekend. And I will see you next class. Bye.